Welcome to RinkWise, New England Hockey Journal's podcast for serious hockey players and their supporters to help further their development and navigate their way throughout their hockey careers. I'm your host, Stephanie Wood. Today's discussion will feature Women's Hockey East and the leader, Northeastern Women's Hockey. We're so fortunate to be joined in studio today by Associate Head Coach Nick Carpenito. Nick is heading into his ninth season with Northeastern Women's Hockey, helping lead the program to five consecutive Hockey East championships and the program's first-ever national championship runner-up. Sitting in the preseason number one place, Hockey East, as well as fourth place in the national polls. Nick, welcome to the show. Thank you, Steph. I appreciate you having me here. So let's first discuss a little bit about Northeastern. Of course, nine seasons that you and Coach Flint, Dave Flint, have spent together and hugely involved with the success of the program, as we just mentioned, sitting in top of Hockey East and on top of the national polls. Um, let's talk a little bit about that. You guys spent a lot of time together and had a lot of success over the years. Yeah, and me and Coach Flint, we've we've spent quite a bit of time together. And it's funny, when I was a student at Northeastern, I was coaching the club team, and I, I cultivated a pretty good relationship with him then. When I was graduating, I, I had pretty much zero intentions of coaching, but he was the person that encouraged me to apply for my first coaching job at Elmira College. And it was the only coaching interview I went on. I, I got hired out of that, and the rest is history. Now I'm back. You can't get rid of me. It's funny because actually it seems that there's so many great coaching success stories begin with somebody who wasn't necessarily looking to go down that path. And it always seems that the best coaches, and you're certainly one of them, have didn't necessarily end up wanting to go down that path, but ended up and the rest is kind of history. Yeah, I mean, we, we've had some, some pretty outstanding assistants too. Like when I first got here, I mean, Coach Lundergan, she she was one of the big people that paved the way to kind of lay the foundation for where we're at now. And Jeff Pellegrini, he's over at at Winchenden School now. He was unbelievable when in the time that I was that I was working with him as well. And now we have Coach Berman, who's our other assistant coach, U18 staff member, incredible hockey mind, great recruiter. So we, it's a very very collective effort to get to where we've been at so far. Seems like such a great dynamic with the three of you. You all bring different things to the table and uh, honestly just an incredible staff that you guys have established there and so going back a little bit so you mentioned being a student at Northeastern and by the way Nick and I know each other from back in the day way back when way back when. <laughs> <laughs> not way way back a but, little back then <laughs> but obviously always so special to be able to return to your former school and I know that that was really special to you when when that all happened yeah it was you know, it was it was a goal of mine from when I left I, I always the way I always viewed it was Northeastern gave so much to me when I was a student there like even coach Madigan or actually excuse me athletic director Jim Madigan he was the coach of the men's team and before he was even coaching the men's team he was I believe he was in the business development office but I knew that he was a scout for the Penguins at that point in time and I always loved telling the story I was I was coaching the club club team and I wanted to just learn more and kind of get get foot in the door a little bit and so I reached out to him and, and I was in his office quite a bit just picking his brain on different things he actually one time brought me out to a tournament just to show show me what he looks for in in players when he's scouting for the Penguins and obviously coach Coach Flint doing what he did for me, but as as far as Jim goes, it's it was it would have been so easy for him to just say like, "Who are you? You don't have to like I don't need to help you out." But he did, and with with what the school gave me, with what the people in the school gave me, it was a community that I knew I wanted to get back to really badly. 
speaks volumes, I think, on Jim Madigan, because it's that seems to be a recurring theme, I think a lot of people have to say about him. And he, we recently just had him on the show. And uh, again, I think it just reiterates what everyone has to say about him. He is Northeastern and, and how much he's helped and I think mentored people over the years there. Yeah, I've heard I've heard Mr. Northeastern be thrown around quite a bit for him, and uh, it is <laughs> sounds it right. is a very well deserved title. There's no doubt about that. And correct me if I'm wrong, but back when you were the head coach of the club team at Northeastern, you guys won the first ever national championship. Is that correct? Yeah. So we won. It wasn't the first ever in the ACHA. Uh, it was the first for our club program, but that was I think. Division two, we won it, and then we moved up to Division one. We lost it in the championship game my last year, and then the year that I went to Elmira, I think that that team won won at the Division one level too. So such a fun group, like couldn't have asked for a better start of a career with with the the young females I was able to work with there. And just the fact that I was I was a student, I still have a lot to learn, obviously, but especially back then, like I had no idea what I was doing. Just the fact that they were listening to me and, and willing to learn from me speaks volumes of of them as athletes and and hockey players, but also female athletes in general. It's almost meant to be, and certainly your coaching has had a huge impact on Northeastern and particularly women's hockey with the school. It's been really awesome to see that over the years. And going back to that success, as we mentioned in the beginning, winning five consecutive Hockey East championships. Now, that's no easy task, given that, you know, how competitive we know Hockey East is. And to win five consecutive, let's talk a little bit about that. And on this show, we certainly love to dissect and talk about winning cultures. And what's some of the things that has helped you guys? As we said, that's such a hard thing to do. So talk a little bit about your culture at Northeastern. Yeah, I mean, it Certainly, we've had some some pretty quality success the last few years, and I think obviously we, we've got some really talented players that have come through. But you know, more than anything, the the shift in our culture from when we or from when I first got here to to where it is now it has been absolutely incredible. And all it all started my first year with with Kendall Coyne. I think one of the one of the driving forces behind any good culture are, are the players. Probably the driving force are the players. So for someone like Kendall to to not only put the team on her back but also put the culture on her back and, and take the positive experiences that she's had in the past and continue to build on those and, and take the negative experiences that she had in the past and make sure they're not a part of the culture. That's that's where we really started turning the corner. And since then we've had we've just had incredible leaders come through and, and they take what they like from previous leadership groups and they, they continue to build on I'm sorry, they, they change what they don't like so players like Brittany Bogalski and we have currently Alina Mueller we had Brooke Hobson we've just had Paige Capistran and we've we've just had such incredible leaders and they they utilize each other throughout the years and I, I think that that's a big reason why we're where we're at today. It's always interesting to get different teams or different coaches' perspectives on their winning culture because it's 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 something that certainly doesn't just happen overnight. And I think you mentioned a lot of great points that sometimes you have to find stuff that works and maybe more importantly find things that haven't worked and look to shift and, and look to change that. And clearly I think your staff has done a remarkable job because it's the old saying, I think, in sports, it's it's hard to get to the top, but it's oftentimes maybe even harder to remain on top. Yep, that is a that is a very, very reasonable saying, that's for sure. I mean, I think 
the thing is, like when you're when you're in a position where we're at right now, the target is just enormous. We know we're going to get every team's best game, and that that's something that we have to preach to our players every every single time we step on the ice. Is in our league, anybody can beat anybody on any on any given night, and everybody wants to beat us. I think in the past that there there were times where we might have been overlooked, and we might have been able to kind of sneak up on some teams. But now, like people. People have us circled in their calendar. Like they, they want to beat us, and we just need to make sure that we're ready for it and preparing and, and respecting the process along the way. That big NU logo is the target mm-hmm. for sure. It is. Pre- pressure is a privilege, as they, as they say. And obviously getting there, it, as we said, it doesn't just happen. I know between the three of you off the ice, you don't stop. You're always recruiting. And looking a little bit at your roster and over the years, like it seems that you guys have done a great job in terms of identifying what looks to be the top local talent. As we know in New England, it's it's a rich hockey community, and especially for girls hockey, as well as taking those recruiting efforts more across North America and overseas. So maybe just talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, we, we've been pretty fortunate where we have some pretty quality relationships and, and connections all over the place. I think in the past, it's it was a little bit difficult really really getting the a lot of the high end local players especially when you're competing with with incredible programs like BU and BC and and Harvard even so we we needed to kind of tweak our approach and obviously we still we still made sure we had a pretty quality presence in the New England area but then we started looking at Europe we started going to world championships U18 championships we started really expanding ourselves in Canada as well and and making sure that we were keeping good tabs on Midwest so pretty much any anywhere we we felt that the quality players were. That's where we tried to tried to concentrate ourselves as best we could. And we've we've had some pretty fortunate, I guess, some pretty fortunate bounces. I'll say, as far as recruiting goes, and we just need to continue to make sure we're putting the adding the right pieces to the puzzle to can continue where we're at. Well, I'm sure that certainly helps with again just having the establishment of the great culture that you guys have created with the program. And speaking of players, I think one thing that's always been unique and I think a lot of people would agree with Northeastern women's hockey is you've been very fortunate to always have an incredible goal goaltending yeah and really unique story on your program I just read with obviously Aaron Frankel who has been a sensational for you guys over the years and Gwen Phillips so thought that was a really unique story and would love for you to tell our audience a little bit more about that yeah, so it's definitely an interesting. It's interesting the way this shook out. So we we originally recruited Gwen to. I mean, when when you recruit a goaltender, you're you kind of have an idea of who's going to be your startup, your starter, your backup, and your third goalie. But at the end of the day, you don't you don't really want to designate that as soon as people step on campus because I mean you always play the hot hand. You give you give whoever gives your team the best opportunity to win. You give them the nod. But when we we recruited Gwyneth, and we unbelievable goaltender, so talented. Played on some some solid teams, but when she played, she was just such a presence out there. And she won won her club team quite a few games that we watched. So we we had a pretty decent idea that she was probably going to end up being our starter, if not right out of the gate, then then pretty shortly after that. And then we had at the time we were doing all this recruiting, we had Brittany Bogalski on campus. We just been getting ready to graduate Sarah Foss so we needed a, a goaltender to come in and push Brittany but also be in a position to, to either take the reins or to push Gwyneth when, when she got here and comes 
Aaron Frankel. We we know her coach, Coach Stafford, out of Chattuck St. Mary really well, and he, he called us quite a few times about her, and it was funny because every time we went out there to watch her, we knew she was good, but the team in front of her was so good, so she was getting like maybe 10, 15 shots a game, which from an evaluation perspective, we don't get a ton of options to see her because she's she's not getting a ton of touches because of the team in front of her but it's it's really difficult to stay on when you're getting such a low volume of shots as a goaltender so coach flint he's he's definitely our goalie guy on staff without a doubt so he had an opportunity to, to see her play quite a few times and he really liked her athleticism he really liked her compete level but because of this, the low volume of shots that she got we were like i mean she seems really good but but you know, who knows? So we ended up bringing her in on campus, and the rest is kind of history from there. Such a great sports story, really. Just and it, it speaks to, I think, to a lot of young athletes that tune in and listen to this show, that when you essentially get yourself to college, you've done the work to get yourself there, it's you you have to prove yourself every day and and everyone has a chance. So you got to put your put your head down, work hard, and this is just such a great story classic success story i think yeah college it sh- level it shows that there's no guarantees either from from any perspective you can you can come into any college program and be a highly touted recruit but if you don't put in the work then you're you're definitely not going to get to where you want to be and i think this is a, a good segue into the goalie position because as with this show we have a large youth following mm-hmm. and found it very interesting just to kind of talk about the goalie position for a second because sometimes at the youth level with teams that are say really good but if the goalie isn't getting a lot of shots versus if you're on a team where the goalie is getting a ton of shots so maybe the team isn't as good but the goalie is getting seen better right but and I know just we were talking offline a little bit one of the best goalies you said you thought you saw throughout over over the years was not necessarily the best team but the goalie got a ton of shots yeah so my my last year at Elmira with a, a goaltender Lauren Sullivan and I I don't know her exact her team's exact record when when she was being recruited she was there before I got there but the the coach who hired me he kind of gave me a little bit of snapshot of her when I was coming in and she she won she's in Ontario she's from up in Ontario and her team won very, very few games, but she was just, and she let up quite a few goals, but she was facing like 60, 50, 60 shots a game. And, and she was, she was a competitor. She was very efficient. She was very technically sound, great teammate. She ended up our, our final year when we won the national tournament, she set a record for most saves in a national tournament at the NCAA levels. Yeah, it doesn't really matter. And I think the same thing goes for players too. Like if, if you can play, you can play like the, the coaches at the division one level, coaches at the division three level we have resources to to see you play and there's very very few surprises out there very few surprises out there i think that's great advice and it's it's just i think for for young people who are maybe in the recruiting process it just maybe something just to think about especially if you're a goalie it's just a different position than skaters per se obviously if you're a goalie coaches want to see making saves so sometimes that's important i think in in team selection and where they're putting themselves to be seen yeah still just talking a little bit about northeastern and again just the success of the program and etc it's also a program of rich history in fact one of the original division one female programs that was first initiated when college hockey started you also have a really large robust alumni following and to me i think that also speaks volumes about the program and the pride that people have 
to have been part of it. Talk a little bit about that. I know you have a whole range of alumni that come back now, and it's always a fun time of year. And what does that tell you about what you've done with the program? Yeah, I mean, we, we definitely have we definitely have alums in big places, which is why I'm sitting in this chair right now, obviously. Thank you. <laughs> once once a year, we like to go back. I like to dazzle everyone with my golf skills. And yeah. I'm being sarcastic by that, but we, we have a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, our, our alumni group is great, and I, I think I like to think that they're really proud of, about where where our program's at, and we've been we've been making a pretty conscious effort to to create opportunities for our our alums to come back and hopefully see some of our games where we try to stack it on top of our alumni skates. But even over the summer and and in the early fall when we have our annual golf tournament, I think that we've had. A pretty quality, a pretty quality alumni turn turnout for that as well. So great, great group of people, foundation foundation builders and, and trailblazers to get us to where we are today, and we're we're thrilled that we're able to represent them the way we have been the last few years. I'm sure that's also wonderful for your current players to see that. Just like it's it's always great for young players to see older players that have been successful and 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 what have you. Like I'm sure it's it's really unique for your players to see that how proud people are of the program and again just great attendance that you get of people coming back yep no it's it's great they really enjoy it when whenever we have an event we try to we try to make sure that we've got as many of our players out there as we can because at the end of the day it is really important for them to understand where the program came from and not just the highs but also the lows and just to see what the process has been to to get to where we're at today and that's it's it's fun to watch Well, I'll certainly have my skates laced up and sharpened and ready to go for later this year for the alumni game. (laughs) Switching gears for a second, and of course, Hockey East Outlook coming up. Super excited for that. I know the season's right around the corner, and such a competitive league, and I've always said Hockey East probably really one of the most competitive leagues in, in the country for, for college hockey. Every every year seems the games are always so close and neck and neck with programs kind of every every weekend you really just don't get a break. You have to be on on top of things and on your A game all the time. So I'm sure this going into this year is going to be no different, just as competitive as ever. And we know Hockey East is, is also expanded over the years, which is great to see as well. Yeah, I mean, they're like I said earlier, there are no easy games. Anytime you step on on the ice against anybody in hockey East, yeah, anybody can beat anybody, and and we've learned that we've learned that on both ends of the spectrums, from where we're at now to to where we were at it not too long ago. So lots of really quality coaching staffs out there. I believe looking at the USCHO polls, I believe there's five teams in the top 15 in the country. So we we've got. We've got a really quality league that everybody appreciates because it's going to prepare us for the ultimate goal, prepare all the teams in the league for the ultimate goal, which is to win a national championship. So we're very excited, and, I mean, this is what the players sign up for. They, they sign up for competitive hockey every night. Well, we certainly can't wait. It's going to be such a competitive field, and fans are back in the stands for games and super exciting. So we definitely we can't wait to sit back and watch what's going to be a super competitive field this year in Hockey East. And Beanpot, I know that's on the agenda as well. Where where will that take place this year? Oh, I believe Beanpot's at BC this year. I hope it is. But uh, yeah, I, I'll, I'll focus on that around February. Yeah. We got we to get through the first half of the year. But, you know, it obviously... Uh, Unbelievable tournament, so much fun, 
big trophy on the line, but more importantly, pride within the city on, on the line. It's always very competitive, and one of the biggest reasons that I wanted to come back to Northeastern was to be able to, to compete in the bean pot as obviously a coach. I think the, the best part about that tournament is it really doesn't matter what happened all the way up till the first week in, in February. Anybody can beat it, I believe. I think it was in 2013, or it might have been 2012 when, when Northeastern won it. I know they had to go through like the number two and the number four team in the country to win it and and they were just a shade on the outside of the top 10 so great tournament always a great atmosphere and and something that we really love to be a part of rich history indeed and the pride of boston always so exciting for those four boston-based schools to be part of that we'll certainly keep our eyes peeled for the dates and more details on that and finally just kind of getting to future aspirations i know we talked a lot about the success of the program over the years and of course so many of us were tuned in not too long ago watching northeastern in its first ever national championship game and not to bring up a bad memory it was hopefully a good one i mean it was just such a such a great run to get there and so close in fact you can't get much closer than that Mm -hmm. and so close we could taste it so obviously i'm sure that's been in your mind uh over the years and i'm sure a future goal of the program in your coaching staff yeah definitely and and you know, I think that's where every program wants to get eventually. And I feel and our staff feels that we're we're putting ourselves in a pretty good position to compete for that. And as far as that game goes, it was only only one team every year can win the last game of the season. So the, the experience itself was incredible. Our, our goal was to get to a Frozen Four, and, and we surpassed that in, in getting into the national championship game. But it was definitely the, the goal that won it was I'm sure we'd love to have that one back. I, I always tell people I'd rather it be like some sort of bar down sniped handed instead of a, a tough bounce. But that's hockey, and, and we were just fortunate to be there. So that was the most exciting part about it. Indeed, and I'm sure a wonderful thing that to now have had that experience, and as they say, sometimes the only way to get experience is from experience, Mm -hmm. so... Now having that championship game under your belt, I'm sure much more prepared and, and know what to expect if and when you guys do get there again. Definitely. Absolutely. And valuable, valuable experience and something that, that these players will carry for a long time. Must also just be so rewarding to see how many people tune into girls hockey now and to be featured on primetime TV and Nesson and things like that. It just It's so amazing to see how far things have come. Yeah, I think... That's the that's the only way we're we're going to really grow this game is to to get more exposure out there and especially last year's tournament I, I thought the the quality of competition was incredible and I'm hoping for all those people that tuned in they even the people that had seen plenty of women's hockey before but more more importantly people that haven't really gotten exposed to women's hockey before really see what a what a quality product of entertainment women's hockey truly is. Well, Nick, this has been such a great discussion, and truly, we're so fortunate to have you join us in person today and bring all your experience and perspective, and uh, we can't wait to continue watching you at Northeastern and to see all of Hockey East compete this season. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. New England Hockey Journal's RinkWise podcast will return after this message. Catch the Sacred Heart University Pioneers on the ice this season. The Pioneers Division I men and women's hockey programs will not disappoint. Season ticket packages and individual tickets are on sale now at sacredheartpioneers.com. And opening in 2023, Sacred Heart University's Martiri Family Arena, a brand new 122,000 square foot premier skating facility in Fairfield, Connecticut. Learn more at sacredheartpioneers.com. 
Are you serious about playing your sport in college? Do you need a flexible education that allows you to maintain your practice and competition schedules while also preparing you to succeed at the next level? You should check out the University of Nebraska High School. UNHS is accredited and offers more than 100 online courses, including NCAA-approved courses to protect your academic eligibility. Students could earn a UNHS diploma or take a single course for transfer credit. Courses are college prep, self-paced, and available 24-7, 365. Enroll anytime and take up to a year to complete a course. Visit highschool.nebraska.edu today. Listen, everyone. I want to let you know about a great team that is training the next generation of hockey players. It's Bando Performance. Their experts work with hockey players at all levels, from youngsters to Olympians right on up to the pros. And I'm going to tell you how to get a great deal with them in just a sec. Bando Performance's small classes ensure the best odds for success for athletes looking to increase power and performance as well as their nutrition and health. It has the same high-tech equipment you'll find in NHL weight rooms that hockey players use to increase their strength, speed, and power. I told you I could save you some money on this, so listen up. Go to bando-performance.com and pick a training program that's right for you. And this is the good part. For RinkWise listeners, use the discount code BANDO30OFF to get a 30% discount. That's bando-performance.com with the code BANDO30OFF and see your performance improve immediately. Everyone knows getting hockey skates sharpened can be a hassle. Make it easier by sharpening your skates with the Sparks Sharpener. The Sparks Sharpener is safe, easy to use, and will save you time and money. It only costs about a dollar a sharpening, and you get an accurate, consistent sharpening every single time. Head over to sparkshockey.com and use the promo code RINKWISE at checkout to save $50. That's sparkshockey.com with the promo code RINKWISE and save $50. We're joined in studio today by our very own Evan Miranovsky, the new editor of New England Hockey Journal, to discuss an in-depth analysis of the top five things to watch this year in women's college hockey throughout New England. Evan, welcome to the show. Excited to be here. I've always wanted to talk hockey with you, Stephanie. I've listened to the podcast for a while. Happy to be in New England Hockey Journal. Very excited. A lot of fun. A lot of exciting new frontiers. And I've been looking forward to this for a long time because, again, listen to the podcast forever. You're terrific. And getting to talk hockey with someone like you, it doesn't come around often. So I'm excited for this. Well, so appreciate that. And, of course, Evan, we talk hockey nonstop in the office as this it is. is true. So, we do. So fun. We actually get to include our audience today. <laughs> yes, we do. We do always talk hockey. We'll, you know, we'll text back and forth about some hockey stuff. So it's fun to be able to just put this to the, to the listeners and let them kind of digest our hockey thoughts. So let's start with Northeastern. Women's hockey. Yes. So we just had in Nick Carpenito, the associate head coach of Northeastern, and of course the top dog in Hockey East right now, preseason number one, ranked fourth place nationally. Let's start with them. We know they had a big loss this past year with Aaron Frankel and Nett. What's your thoughts to start with Northeastern? Yeah, it's a weird, it's an interesting situation because, you know, Frankel was unbelievable throughout her college career. She won the 2021 Patty Kazmaier Award. She was in the running for 2022. They lost in the Frozen Four last year to Duluth. Kind of felt like it would have made sense for Frankel, I feel like, to have that swan song final year where they win the national championship and all is great. And it didn't really happen, but she was outstanding. So, 
I think Gwyneth Phillips, we'll get to in a second. I know Dave Flint, the Northeastern head coach, had said, oh, she's terrific. She's kind of sat and waited for, for Frankel to be the starter her senior year. But it did, Phillips, it, I bet, is terrific. But I think Frankel is such a big loss because she's so good. And, and Nick probably touched on this as well. And and, and I just I, I find Frankel to be an interesting case because goalies like her don't come around a lot that are that dominant. That I mean, the amount of games that she... Saved for Northeastern, kind of won for them last year especially, was there was a lot of games that that happened. So Phillips is going to be, it's going to be an interesting case. I, 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 I know Dave Flint was fully confident in her and it's a really exciting story because, as I said, like she was someone that was kind of waiting. And I'm curious, Stephanie, with, like, with, you, with your take on this, because you're a coach, you deal with players. I mean, when you have someone like a Phillips who, you know, and Flint even said this on Hockey's Media Day, like she could be starting for most other teams and could have throughout her career. I mean, do you think like what goes into a player's mind to kind of stay in a, in a, in a, in a really good school like Northeastern? No. Yeah. Well, that's Listen, that's a great question. And I think just revisiting the goalie position for a second in general, one of the points that we discussed with Northeastern when we were on the show is ever since I've known Northeastern, they've just been so fortunate that they've had a lights out goalie in their net. So 10 years ago, 20 years ago, like it's just been their, their goaltending has been outstanding. So they've just been very fortunate that they've been able to get goalies like Aaron and, and obviously several others. But back to your question, yes, that is a really interesting story. So with Gwen, Gwen Phillips, who according to the coaches really is, is really just as good. And you yeah. know, we know they have a lot of depth in that position. They have, I believe, another goalie in that team who's who's very good as well. So it's a good problem to have. But I think to answer your question, there's, there's a lot of things I think that goes into the, repro- the recruiting process for kids. So my take a little bit, I think, on kids that maybe come out of this area new when they grow up playing their youth hockey here and high school or prep school hockey, there's a certain prestige to, I think, getting to represent or attend one of your local Boston-based universities because that's what you've kind of grown up seeing. I think it's if you ever went to a college game, you probably went to one of those games. Yeah, it was BU, Northeastern, BC, Harvard. It was all here in Boston. It, exactly. You, you get your, your pick every every week. You have a <laughs> great, great college hockey to see. So I think in a way, like if you're local, like there's a certain aspiration that you would strive towards to represent one of those big Boston-based schools. But as we were just discussing a little bit in the office just recently, I think with generally... Th- these days, coaches, college coaches are very oftentimes direct with the student athletes that they're recruiting. And by that, I mean generally very clear as to roles. They probably see them filling on their teams. And of course, that may change a little. It's always up to the student athlete what they choose to do during their tenure at the school when they're recruited. But I think there's a whole bunch of reasons that that go into decisions with schools. And I think particularly for girls, I think the academic side is always very important. So great school. There's there's really something for everybody. So whether you want to be nursing or whether you want to be business, I mean, a a place like Northeastern just really kind of has it all. So could be that kids really get into an academic field that they love and it's really worth them staying. It also could come down to just the environment. Like you, when you find the right environment and they say when you're, you're going through the recruiting process that you should really choose a school that say you had a career ending injury and you, you, you had to stop playing hockey. That's such a great, that's an interesting take on that. Yeah, that, exactly. Like that you would still be very happy and want to stay and continue at that school. And she probably loves her teammates. <laughs> Another part of it is you said the culture. And I think with someone like Gwen Phillips, it's been worth it. She's starting now. So like even though I think it's three years she's been behind Aaron Frankel, 
she's starting. And I think it's tough for a lot of college hockey teams because they'll recruit, they'll have a bunch of good goalies and they can't all play. Like this is on the men's side, but UMass, when I was there covering the team, they split the, the time between the goalies. I think in this case, it was Frankel was out. Frankel was elite. Frankel was the best goalie in the nation, bar none. So I think it was a little bit different there. But yeah, I mean, you're correct. Like it's a very interesting point you make on like there's, and I think fans might not always think of those things because they just see the hockey side. You lived it and you saw how much else went into being at a school and playing at a school, the school itself and, 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 and the, the city, the environment. Because you're right, growing up around here, it's Northeastern, BC, BU, Harvard, and you're seeing, and we'll get into more of these schools, kind of getting in that conversation as well probably later in this, uh, in this episode. Yeah, and just a last point, I think you you hit on it. It's I'm I'm a little old school in that it's it's about being a good teammate too. Yeah, playing <laughs> playing college hockey. Yeah, like the people these, you work with. Playing college hockey these days for level is is really hard, and it's also really competitive. So, whether you're a goaltender or whether you're forward defenseman, you're essentially fighting for your spot in the lineup or whatever role that you want to take every day at practice. So it's very competitive. So I think it's it's about being a good teammate and making a commitment to that team and following through. And again, I'm old school, so that's how I was brought up. Is, with- that, is that old school, though? That seems kind of like everybody should have that mentality, right? I think it's a different, that's a different podcast. I think the, <laughs> the way that maybe you see sometimes now with younger players, sometimes they jump between schools or programs. But again, I think we'll, we'll save that. For we'll save that for another day. <laughs> so switching gears for a second. So Northeastern will certainly be really excited to, to watch them throughout the year. Another point that we had on our list for the women's college side was Colgate women versus Yale in the ECAC. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so it's an exciting rivalry. Again, we were in this area. We focus on Hockey East a lot, and rightfully so, but ECAC has some really exciting stuff. And Colgate and Yale's been a rivalry that's been taking place past couple of years. They had a history in 2021, but last year they had this back-and-forth rivalry. Yale beats Colgate 2-1 to to advance to the Frozen Four last year. Yale was kind of an underdog in the national tournament, but Colgate did beat Yale in the ECAC championship game 2-1. to So they love these low-scoring games in big in, in high-stakes environments. And Yale in the Frozen Four last year, I mean, they, they lost in the Frozen Four, but to get there, I think, was so big for that program. And again, Col- I mean, they're just always at each other's throats. <laughs> and I think that's a really fun thing to watch. When I was at NCAA.com last year, we did a lot with both of those teams on the women's side with just like how much they were going at each other. And and it is not short on great players to watch in the matchup, which is the fun part, because Yale's got El Harchi, who was someone that, and we'll get to this later, Potential Patty Kazmaier looks this year for sure. Emma Seitz on defense. And then Colgate's got Danielle Dacney and Christina Keltonikova. And and the three forwards I just mentioned, high scores. I think Elle Harchie's an interesting case where she's a terrific two-way forward. She's someone that is great in her own zone, kind of carries her line. So she's someone that I think Yale can build a line around where you don't have to kind of have a, a three-headed monster with her. She can kind of command her own line. So, and... and Serdakny and, and Kaltanokova with Colgate, they're, again, high-scoring players. So that's a fun matchup to watch. They're going to play each other quite a bit this year. They're in the ECAC. 
So, I mean, to me, that's appointment television. If that game is on, I think you should be watching it. So that's one matchup. And again, both are ranked really well in the USCHO poll. Colgate 6, Yale 7. Um, they're the first two ECAC teams ranked. And then you've got Quinnipiac, Clarkson. So it, it's a, it, they're the two best teams in the ECAC. Could teams lower in the ECAC come up and kind of take over? Potentially. But those two, to me, look like the, the top dogs in the ECAC. Well, all eyes on that matchup for sure in the ECAC. And as you said, Yale advancing to the Frozen Four last year, just falling a little bit short to the eventual national champion, Ohio State. And uh, I think it's always so exciting in sports when you have like those kind of classic rivalries or you know just two teams like it's almost like the Bruins and Canadians we got we got got Colgate and Yale that's what that's what matters exactly just so fun and it's also I think when you're a player it's so fun to be part of those matchups as well yeah those those games you You, I mean you probably had them at Northeastern we did and even now like (laughs) coaching in high school and 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 prep schools and stuff I mean you you just yeah you have certain opponents that they're just really big matchups and you really it's fun it's fun for the kids the fans and everybody involved start yelling at the other coaches on the other bench Hopefully not too much. <laughs> not too much. <laughs> so again, moving on, we'll have a look at next up Vermont women's hockey, who also is coming off a really red hot season last year. Also had the Hockey East Coach of the Year with Jim Plumer. And uh, what are your thoughts with Vermont? Yeah, it's exciting, and it's funny. I think in Hockey East and in any college hockey environment you're always looking at programs that are elevating themselves that are kind of, and again the boston schools are kind of always going to be the boston schools so again maybe i'm biased because i come from umass where it's and i know it's on the men's side but it's outside of that boston school realm vermont is definitely outside of the boston school realm again program record 22 wins last year is a great piece done on them in the september october edition of the magazine about how they were expecting the 2020-21 season to be their year, but COVID really cut it short. And they got some tremendous buy-in from everybody returning. I think they only, don't quote me on this, but I think they only lost like three players. And they came back last year, finished second. They beat Northeastern. That was sort of their turning point of the year was they beat Northeastern. And, and I think what's even interesting is they lost some players during the year to different events. I think they, the Olympics got in the way, and they st- that kind of brought them together more. And I think going into this year, they're keeping a fair amount of their of their scores. They're, they're losing a few. Or they lost a few, but they ha- they're bringing back goalie Jesse McPherson, top 20 in goals against average last year, and they're starting to build something. And I'm always excited, and, and it's interesting. Like, Stephanie, I'm interested to hear your take on this. When you have a really good year coming after some subpar years, how do you kind of make sure that you have you follow it up with you don't have a sophomore slump so to speak yeah that's a that's a great question and i think it's you have to you have a lot of momentum from having a really successful year and i think when you have seasons like that everything is is fun everything's great you have a lot of positive energy a lot of great vibes and i think it's just important to really utilize that i think as a program to your advantage and again it's it's building that momentum and i think it's always so wonderful, especially coming off of a great year, that you have a good core of returners. Because yes. personally, I think that there's something to be said when you have a good group of veterans. I know even with our Austin Prep team this past year, we had nine seniors, which was a huge class for us. But 
they were so veteran and just so experienced. It's just like someone who's been in a job for, for years. They're yeah. just so well-versed and they know the ropes of what it's like, in this case with Vermont, playing high-level college hockey. And they also know how to be successful. And I think that that's really important. They know what it takes to be successful. So I think it's great and we'll be really excited to see see them this season and, and see if they can continue that success. But I think the fact that they have a really good core of returners is just a great advantage to that program. And I don't think they're going to have that sophomore slump because they lost in the hockey semifinal last year to, I believe, UConn. And they were very disappointed. They feel like that's kind of fuel. Like, hey, we had a good regular season, but the playoff success has to follow that. And I think this is the perfect year where you have the pieces. You know how to win in the regular season. Let's do it in the playoffs. So I think that's I, – I, I think they will avoid kind of that – Sophomore, not, it sounds weird saying sophomore slump to a long-term program, but kind of that second year of, of building on. So I don't think they're going to have that because they're going to be fired up and ready to go for the playoffs. Well, we'll certainly be excited to watch. And as we know, just college hockey, certainly across New England and Hockey East and ECAC, it's just so competitive, the field. I mean, every year the competition gets better and better and better. So we'll certainly be excited to watch that. And speaking of fun and exciting – Frozen Fenway this year, yes, which will be back and back at Fenway and back with fans. And we're so excited for that. And we will have Boston University women versus Holy Cross. Interesting matchup. And I think there's a second to, to be announced contest that has obviously, as I said, yet to be announced. But I'm just happy that there's Frozen Fenway again. I think that's the fun part is, and I think for Holy Cross, this will be a really cool opportunity for them, just being on kind of the big stage against a team like BU. That is going to be a very interesting matchup, but just hockey back outdoors. I think outdoor, like, they could play outdoor hockey on the the, the Frog Pond in, in Boston Common, and I would be so ready to watch. I'd be so happy to watch it. Like, they could play in the middle of the street, and I'd be so happy. Because hockey outdoors just brings such an interesting element. And again, in this game, Holy Cross is kind of establishing itself. And as I said, like, that's a that's a fun thing It's it's for them. And I'm interested to see the second-to-be-announced matchup, for your sake. Hopefully it's Northeastern. They get some, they get some time at Fenway. Have, have you ever played at Fenway? I did not, unfortunately. So back when I played, this Or sounds, even like skated at Fenway. This sounds bad, but back when I played, they didn't have frozen <laughs> Fenway. <laughs> but I'm sure it would have been a lot of fun. Yes. Oh, and, and that's the thing. And I think it's it's it'll be fun. And it's such a spectacle to see that. My first thought, actually, when the I, the Winter Classic was announced, uh, the Bruins be playing the Penguins, my first thought was, oh, awesome, Frozen Fenway is probably going to be back. And I'm glad to see that it is. So excited for it, that's for sure. Indeed. And it's, it's all good. Like I think Frozen Fenway, to your point, it's, it's rich tradition of the outdoor hockey and of course all the history of Boston. So cool that this, we get to play this right at Fenway. And it's also a great opportunity to really showcase the college game and showcase particularly girls hockey here. Yes. With, I think it's a great opportunity. Hopefully they can leverage getting this out to a lot of families and a lot of the youth teams and programs because again it's just a really fun event and it's also I think a great way to leverage and showcase college hockey and girls hockey in general and it's also a very interesting case for all four teams whatever the matchup's going to be announced it's a chance for them to potentially if they're struggling going in I feel like the frozen Fenway game is a great chance for them to kind of reroute their season like a a real turning point because I believe they have the holiday break So that will probably be one of the first games they have coming out of the holiday break. And that's a real chance to, as I said, just completely kind of flip a switch. If BU is struggling, if Holy Cross is struggling, if any of those teams are struggling, it's a chance to reroute things. 
we can't wait to watch. And so moving on, just our last point that we have on our list, and we talked a little bit about this. So potential Patty Kazmaier candidates. And to our audience, of course, Patty Kazmaier award winners are essentially, I guess, the equivalent to the Hobie Baker or, quote, the MVP of college hockey. So what are your first thoughts for the women's side? Well, I think there's some interesting ones in New England. We mentioned El Harchi. From Yale, she's a good one. Christina Haltonakova from Colgate. Danielle Serdakny, they're both from Colgate. Maureen Murphy's another interesting one. Long time, very dominant. A lot of points, a lot of scoring. Going to be a key cog for that Northeastern team. You just look at her production last year. There's no reason to think she doesn't do it again this year. So those are my four from this region. There could be some surprises. I'm not saying those are the only four. There could be... Many others. Obviously, you have to factor in Wisconsin's going to have a good team. Minnesota always has a good team. Those Midwestern schools, I imagine, are going to be kind of everywhere. Ohio State as well. Forgot to even mention the defending national champs. Duluth as well. But New England's got some serious players. And they have, as I mentioned, those four girls who should be in the running. They should absolutely be in the discussion. I would love, because at heart, I love a good story. It would be really cool, and I know you'll agree with me on this, Stephanie, if Gwen Phillips was in the running for it at some point. If she put up a season where they're like, hey, I don't know if she'd win it, but I think if she's in the mix, that'd be a damn cool story. I agree. I think it would be, you know, and I think this is a great list and starting point. And it's there's there's a lot of great candidates there and a lot of great choices. And I'm sure as the season starts and it goes on, I think we'll see a few other candidates added to this list. And absolutely, to your point, I think it's um, something worth noting as well that I think starting this season, the 2022-23 season, dare I say it's probably the first time that hockey is starting normally since the pandemic and COVID. Knock on wood. (laughs) Because I think we we forget often, because I know the last two to three years has been sort of a blur, but sports and essentially everything has not been normal, I guess. And this is really kind of the first time that we are starting normal. I know last year to start the hockey season, all of the kids were still in mass, and that really didn't get lifted until after the holidays in January. So... I think it's going to be great. I think it's it's we're finally seeing things kind of back to normal in a, a normal hockey season. And I think I think a lot of things on our list, I think we will see. But I think we're also going to see a lot of new things as well, a lot of new and exciting, because as we mentioned, the field is just it's it's so competitive and it's better every year. And any given day, I think anybody can beat anybody and anybody can also lose on any given day. Yeah, I remember even last year covering women's hockey for NCAA.com. The field was so interesting. And because, you know, you had Wisconsin had been kind of, I don't want to get too much into out of outside of New England, but Wisconsin had been the top dog for a while. Ohio State took it over. Northeastern was very much in the mix. You had Colgate and, and Yale kind of battling for, for top spots. So I'm, ex- I'm as excited as you are, Stephanie, because as you said, it gets better every year. And uh, we're going to have a lot of coverage of it this year, which I'm really excited to roll out throughout the season. We certainly will. And Evan, thank you so much for joining us today. Hopefully the first of many of our hockey analysis here on the show. I'm very excited for it. That's for sure. And we certainly can't wait to follow a great season of hockey ahead. That does it for this edition of Rinkwise. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at NE Hockey Journal and subscribe online at NewEnglandHockeyJournal.com. I'm your host, Stephanie Wood. Rinkwise is a Siemens Media Production. 